good people it's your boy caesar here and this is an episode of the hybrid club hope all is good you know where to find us on the socials at the hybrid club and you know where to find me at c says c-e-a-s-e-s-a-y-s what's good people so a quick one today as we wait for the formal announcements unveilings of two players which we know to be arsenal players even though the deals aren't done yet so while we wait for the fabled rice and timber announcements which i'm which i've been assured will arrive sometime before the end of their arsenal contracts there is actual football to discuss because arsenal did indeed play their first proper not including the watford game play their first proper game of pre-season a 1-1 draw against nuremberg in germany and it gave I think a lot of interesting talking points to people, but in reality wasn't that interesting. It was a, you know, glorified fitness exercise. Most of the players were in second, if not third gear. And that is fine because the entire purpose of this section of preseason is player fitness. You know, get them some minutes in their legs, get them used to playing football, get them used to the systems again and to the, and the interactions and get them off the pitch without injury. Hence, some of the players played 45, 50 minutes, 60 minutes. This wasn't about, you know, going out there and showing them we are the Arsenal. It was just a fitness exercise. So anyone out there who's a little bit stressed about anything they saw, tranquilo, relax. It's fine. Of course, the game ended 1-1, gold from Saka. And uh, what I'm going to say is an own goal from Jorginho. I actually don't know in the end who got the final touch, but looked like an own goal from Jorginho. Um, And you feel bad for Carl Hein because he's had a couple... um, situations now playing in a first team where you know you want it to go well and he's had a few moments um a few decent moments as well to be fair but that's just one of those freak situations that can happen in football Saka just brilliant I mean he played the entire season last season barely got a break went away with England barely got a break came back and he's back to doing what he did before the break it's just you know it's Bukayo Saka there is a reason he's a star boy he was one of those players who just looked like himself even during this fitness exercise and exercise it's the start of preseason and he looks just like he always looked it's a joy to behold but on top of that you know fantastic goal fantastic finish you know cutting on his left drilled he started to add that to his game already we saw that last season if he can build on that and start adding more and more of those goals it just makes him even more of a threat he can go on the outside clip it in um you know go on the inside and, and score from from that, from that uh, distance. So looks good. Great to see Saliba back out on the field. You know, I know it's one of those things that's been low-key a talking point amongst fans. Just is his back okay? Is it going to be one of those long-term things? Again, fit, fitness exercise, too soon to say for certain. But, you know, he looked comfortable out there. Didn't look like he was in any kind of discomfort or anything like that. So all good. For me, probably the, the player I was most interested in seeing during uh, preseason is Kai Havertz. Because if there's one player I have question marks about, 
not in terms of ability. I think we know he's a top player. But if there's one player I have question marks about in terms of their potential success in an Arsenal team and with this Arteta project, it's Kai Havertz. I do, honestly, and I don't know why, this is just one of those things we all have we all have certain points, players, positions that our brains fixate on for whatever reason. And for some reason, in my mind, I look at Kai Havertz as one of those players that if he is a prominent fixture of this stage of Arteta's project, which it looks like he is, or the intention at least is for him to be that, then I think he'll have a significant impact on whether the project works because, you know, £65 million is a lot of money and you shouldn't worry about the money really because ultimately the price tag is whatever you pay to get the player. It's about what the player can do once they're here. But when you commit those resources, obviously it's resources you then can't commit elsewhere, which means that you're in you're investing that in this player because you believe this player can bridge the gap sufficiently to help you get to where you want to go. And the reason that that's important is because, like I've already said, if you, if you commit to that player and invest that heavily in that player bridging the gap to get you to where you want to go, you need that player to do that because you don't then have the money to invest elsewhere to bridge other gaps. So that's, you know, so you have to judge those things when you're committing that money. So for me, I look at Kai Havertz as the unknown quantity. It's like the 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 secret source. You know, you put it in and it tastes spectacular and no one knows how you pulled it off. Or people, you know, taste your food and they say, oh no, there's a weird flavor in there and I don't know why that's there. Kai Havertz is either going to be the secret source or he's, you know, going to be the gone off source. It, it, it just depends. Either way, we're going to find out. And so I was just curious to see how he did. Now, again, it's preseason. It's the first game. It is a fitness exercise. So my curiosity is tempered by the fact that I wasn't exactly expecting him to go out there and play like Zidane in the 98 World Cup final. That's That's not what we're talking about here. I was just curious to see if number one, Arteta put him where we all expected him to be, the sort of quote-unquote left eight, um, and whether and how he would be used. But I think one of the tricky things about that is the full squad isn't together, obviously. It is still a fitness exercise, which means the formulation of the squad is a bit of a hodgepodge. You know, some there'll be at certain points some youth players on, you know, some backups who, are, you know, who won't start, players who will probably be moved on playing. So again, not only are you, not only do you have to sort of have a bit of caution on the basis that it is the first game of preseason, you also have to have a bit of caution in that the makeup of the team that he's playing in isn't the team he'd be playing in. Um, but needless to say, obviously, we did see Havertz in the left eight and you know, there really wasn't much to talk about because not much happened in the game by the time he came on. So I think while I'm still very much interested to see what happens there, this game really didn't tell us much out of anything at all, at least not in my opinion anyway. But please do get in touch. If you saw something that you thought was interesting in the actual play, let me know. But for me, I didn't really get much from it. What was interesting was Artessa's comments after the game, I think. Uh, and he spoke about it, um, Havertz. So he said, and this is about sort of where Havertz will play, we will see. We have to see how he adapts and obviously get to know each other and build relationships. Football is about that, and time will tell where he fits best. 
Now, some people have taken that to suggest that Mikel Arteta doesn't know where he wants to use Kai Havertz, doesn't know where he wants to play him, doesn't know what he wants to do with him. And if you believe that Mikel Arteta bought Kai Havertz and doesn't know what he intends to do with him, then I have some magic beans to sell you and they are definitely not a gone-off can of baked beans that have been sat in my pantry too long. I promise you they are, in fact, magic beans. The reality is you probably need to look at the comments with a more discerning eye if you really want to kind of get what he's saying. When he's talking about where he'll play, how he'll play, we may well be talking about approach because we shouldn't be too fixated on positions. It's very much about roles in the team, right? So we're talking about the spaces that the team occupies and the space that the individual players occupy in connection with with one another when it comes to the defensive spaces, progressing the ball up the pitch, being settled in our attacking form. All of those things could be tweaked, could be varied, depending on which players come to the forefront as being, you know, the being part of the the team and which, I suppose, which combination of players the manager will decide to go with. For example, you know, if he plays Zinchenko on the left, does that mean we're going to get Ben White on the right? But if we get, say, Timber on the right, maybe we get a Tomiyasu on the left. So the combination of players, who plays on one side or impact who plays on the other side. So it's likely that what Havertz will be expected to do in his role will be impacted by the players around him. You know, will he play the same if it's Jesus at number nine versus Eddie at number nine? Will he have the same role if it's Trossard at left eight versus, uh, sorry, Trossard on the left versus Martinelli on the left? So, you know, there might be a game where Havertz is, you know, I don't know, replacing Odegaard at right eight and, you know, when Rice comes in, Rice is at left eight and party if he's still here, plays at the six. There's all these different combinations. That's the thing about being tactically flexible if you have multi-positional players. So I don't think it's a question of not knowing what he wants to do with Havertz. I think it's more seeing how Havertz adapts to the team and how the team adapt to him to then settle on approaches to play with him in those positions. Now, don't get me wrong, when you hear those quotes, I get why people are you know, a little bit puzzled by it because I remember when Chelsea signed Lukaku, Thomas Tuchel uh, had sort of a similar kind of phrasing where you know he was kind of asked about how to use Lukaku in his team. And he basically was just saying, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, he's only just got here. Don't know. We'll figure it out over time. Um, and that's because Lukaku wasn't a Tuchel by Chelsea brought Lukaku and um, Tuchel was basically Tuchel had to figure out how to use him. And while they had a good first couple of months, it you know went to shit and then Lukaku obviously went to Inter and now he's back at Chelsea and Inter are trying to buy him back and the whole thing was a bit of a mess. So when you see those comments, you do have to raise a little bit of an eyebrow because it's always a little bit disconcerned, disconcerting to hear a manager seems somewhat um, indecisive about what to do with a player. But at the same time, you have to remember the type of manager, the type of coach Arteta is. You've, you know, you've seen how meticulous he is with his signings, what he wants them to do, the approach play, the positional play. We've seen, you know, and we've heard from the players about the level of detail that Mikel Arteta goes into. So I, that, strikes at the very face of the idea that he bought a player and is going to figure out where they fit later. I think it's more, it's it's not a question of how he wants to use him from a positional sense. I think we we know roughly the areas of the pitch that Havertz can occupy. It's probably more to do with how the team gels and then the roles and the particular approaches to those roles 
given the composition of the squad once it's settled. But I am still interested to see how that goes. Now, I've said before, we can't fully judge Havertz on his time at Chelsea. He was managed by Frank Lampard twice. You know, Potter's reign was a bit of a disaster. And obviously under Tuchel, uh, Havertz won the Champions League. But he's mostly been played out of position. We know, obviously, you know, playing as a exclamation point number nine is not his bag. So the truth is we don't really know the full extent of the Kai Havertz that we've bought yet, you know. And particularly, again, this being our first glimpse of him pre-season, we definitely can't make any judgments about the player we have. But because of the commitment we've made to the player in terms of salary and weight, you know, salary and, and the transfer outlay, it is the one I'm watching. It is the one I'm most curious about. Um, but obviously, while he may be the one I was most curious to see, there were lots of other players on display in the game. You know, uh, Nuaneri played and showed a lot of talent. You know, nice little Cruyff turn to get out of a um, tight space. You know, nice little pivot to to drop the shoulder and disappear. A little pirouette. It's He was doing... He was displaying skill and maturity beyond his years. You know, this kid is 16 years old and he was, you know, he was very much evading and outmuscling grown men. And look, again, preseason. But, and we know that young players come into preseason, look great, and then the season starts and they don't get a look in. I know that. So I'm not I'm not suggesting for a second that off the back of this performance, Nuaneri is going to be in the first team getting regular minutes. I'm not suggesting that at all. He's still obviously got his development um, that he needs to to go through. But at 16 years old, to even be on the tour and to be playing in the games on the tour, it shows that, you know, it's a player very much in the manager's thinking. And anyone who thinks that, you know, the outing against Brentford is just a gimmick, well, I think this shows that it was very much a case of we are showing you the pathway. The pathway is there. Uh, you know, we we look at past tours, for example, players like Reese Nelson, Eddie Nketiah, Mar- uh, Genduzzi, Martinelli, uh, Maitland-Niles, Jack Wilshere, Wobi, Willock. All of these players who went on to be fully-fledged first-teamers all went on tours. Now, there are young players who went on tours who didn't get the opportunity, but you don't get brought on the tour unless the club think there's a chance for you at some point that you just wouldn't, you know. The only the only way someone gets brought on tour if they're not really a prospect, quote-unquote, is to make up the numbers if there's loads of injuries, and we're not in that position. So there's that. There was obviously Walters as well, playing in defence. Again, did well a couple of really good blocks in the box. One particular one, which Hein may have saved, but easily could have gone through his legs. So um, really good, really good block from Walters there. Um, a good run forward as well. Got on the end of a corner, I think. Um, just went wide. So showing real promise. Again, he looks bigger. He looks stronger. He's another one with a lot of promise. And to be honest, even though we're bringing in Timber, who would play in the same area of the pitch as Walters does, Walters is quite versatile. And buying a player like Timber wouldn't um, cut off the pathway for a player like Walters because he is versatile and because of the style of play and because of the amount of games a team like Arsenal have. If Walters can develop, he will get his chance. Now, I don't, and I've never thought his chance would be this season. I think 
the calls for him to get minutes last season. While I understand it, given the injury situation, were premature. He wasn't ready. I still think he's not quite ready. He definitely needs a loan. Um, so my theory would be that he may well get a loan this season, if not, you know, some point post preseason, um, then from January maybe. But he definitely is one of those players that looks close to being ready. Now, not a nailed on start or anything like that, but he looks close to being a player that you could rely on in the squad. But I think he's a long-term one, you know. So I definitely think there's a loan or two that needs to happen before he he can get some regular minutes. Obviously, Lewis Skelly as well. Good movement, good touch to the ball. He uh, played a brilliant through ball to Balogun uh, for, for Balogun's chance. Another player that, obviously, there's lots of development to go still. It, we're far cry away from being able to think about him in the Arsenal first team as a fixture. But again, much like Nwaneri, much like Waters, is a lot closer than um, some other academy prospects would be. So he's just got to keep working on himself. You know, just got to go through the the, the process of development, of growth, of getting bigger, getting stronger. That happens naturally as you train, as you age, get more experience, as you get used to the game, get your loans, do well, and then see where you are and where the squad's at. Because the one thing that we have to realize with this team is if Arteta manages to get this project to where he wants it to be, where we all want it to be, where we are competing for titles, winning titles, then the, the opportunity for youth players is going to drastically diminish because you cannot chuck youth prospects into title-challenging teams. You you can't do it. You know, the only way you're doing that is if that player is a is a Cesc Fabregas, you know, a Phil Foden. You're you know those are Wayne Rooney, the players who, at a very young age, you could chuck them in amongst the the men's team, and they're one of the best players. You those are the only type of players that are getting key minutes in teams that challenge for titles. And don't get me wrong, Nwaneri is spoken of very highly. But um, considering some of the outlays in midfield that we've made and some of the plays we purchased, if Nwaneri was ready right now, he would be there right now. And some of those players we've bought in recent seasons wouldn't have been bought. So, for example, when Sex Fabregas came through at Arsenal, we let Vieira go. And a... 15, 16-year-old Tessabagas walked into the centre of our midfield and stayed there until he left. That's, you know, generational. Wayne Rooney came into the Everton first team, stayed there till Man United bought him, walked into Man United first team, stayed there till he left the club. Generational. So that's what we're talking about. Those are the kind of young players that make it um, straight into first teams at that age. So... We can't have those kind of expectations, particularly if the club goes to where they want to go. If we're talking about, you know, us being mid-table, us being eighth, then, you know, you saw the kind of minutes we were able to give to young players in that position because the team isn't good enough and those players come in and they raise the level. But we're not eighth anymore. So we'll just have to see how how that goes. Of course, Balogun got some minutes as well. Big moment for him. 90th minute, through on goal after that brilliant through ball. Miles Kelly did everything right. Pace, timing of the run, perfect. Touch, perfect. Took it around the keeper, perfect. Everything was great. And then he just put the ball 
wide hitting the side netting. And that was just a uh, moment. Now, again, preseason, preseason caveat, preseason caveat. But he will no doubt have been disappointed. Everyone would have been excited to see him. There is naturally a Balogun versus Eddie debate going on while I think it's a little bit silly because they both play for the Arsenal. So ultimately, they're both our players. So hooray, hopefully both of them succeed. But the fact is, given their position, given their contractual situations, given where they play on the pitch, and given the fact they have literally the same agent, it's natural that with the, with the situation around um, the squad at the moment, people are going to compare the two. It's just inevitable. And he'll be aware of that. Now, he's not going to be, I think, so bothered about the him versus Eddie thing. You know, they've come up together, um, slightly different age groups, mind you, but no less, they've gone through the system together. They know the deal. Um, but he will be mindful of the fact, like a little bit of a spotlight will be on him, given how well he did in France, given his comments since he left, and obviously given his prominence, now he's starting for the USA men's team. So for, you know, for... And we know as well with the internet, that's going to be clipped up and replayed. So he'll wish he could have put that into the net because that would have been a real statement of intent. Granted preseason, but it would have been a real statement of intent to score the winner the first game of preseason, to come on, get the goal. That would have said something. So he'll be disappointed, but he strikes me as the kind of guy who shakes it off pretty quickly. So no doubt he'll put that behind him and kick on. Um, there was a really interesting uh, video from Tifo about Balogun and just why um, from from the brilliant anchor man Carl Anker that it's it was an interesting video as to why Balogun uh, could become a hundred million pound player and the short version of the cliff notes is he looks like a goal scorer but he also looks like he's able to develop the part of his game where he can build up play so effectively he can have the output but he can also do the Harry Kane stuff. And if you're a striker who can do the Harry Kane stuff and get goals, you become a very valuable player, which obviously creates a bit of a tricky situation for Arteta that we are all aware of, being that there are question marks about whether or not he's in a position to, you know, lead the line right now, given we have Gabriel Jesus, given Trossard can play there, given that Eddie's maybe slightly ahead in the physical development and just certain aspects of the development. Um, although to be fair, I think the season Balogun just had was really, really important for his development because Eddie's had, you know, the half a season at Leeds and he spent half of that time injured and then was sort of getting uh, minutes at Arsenal until he had that run at the end of the previous season, uh, season before last. Whereas Balogun's had the whole season and he had a half season Middlesbrough. So he's had a little bit more time actually out and about playing, starting. But nonetheless, I think just Eddie being slightly older and slightly more experienced, a little bit further ahead. But Balogun has shown that he is, you know, capable of leading the line and scoring goals in France. But of course, that's a very different thing to come back and do it here. Now we know that he wants guaranteed minutes. And if he were to stay, I'm sure he would get some minutes, but is it the amount that he wants? You know, when you've gone away and you've become the man and every, the one that everyone looks to and you get the goals it's easy to understand why you wouldn't want to come back and be sort of a quote-unquote bit part player if that's your fear so you know part of this whole preseason is going to be somewhat of a shootout between Eddie and, and Balogun it's going to be who can impress who looks the you know who looks the complete package who looks the finished article who looks like they could step into this team 
who are trying to push to compete with the Man City for a Premier League title, which of these players look like they can help Arsenal achieve their ambition? Because that's a big ambition. This isn't just about giving minutes for the sake of development. We're trying to win the Premier League. We're trying to better what we did last season. Which of these players can come in and help us do that? So, you know, at this stage, it's still very early. But obviously, Balogun had his chance. He'll be, you know, disappointed, but he'll get over it. There were some players who, you know, participated in the game that, you know, did not exactly cover themselves in glory. You know, there's a lot of mention of Cedric. We already know the situation about Cedric. He has one year left on his contract. He stay, He says he wants to stay in fact for his position. We are all familiar with that game. You know, after years of Ozil, Kolasinac, Mustafi, Socrates, you know, we are all familiar with the game. Willian, when a player is a certain age and they've got a certain amount of time left on their contract and they're not really in the manager's plans, the I want to stay in fact for my place is pay me to leave, basically. So we know that it's a case that Cedric's probably going to hang around until either someone comes in and tries to buy him or we have to terminate his contract just to get him off the books and out of the dressing room. So we'll see how how that you know how that one plays out. I you know I've seen some people ask why is Cedric even there if we're not going to play him? He's a part of the first team. He's a part of the you know he's a senior member, part of the first team. He's on the books, so you take him to preseason because you know we're a professional football club. So he's employed by the club. He is there now. Of course, there are a couple of players who aren't there. There's a Nicola Pepe and that kind of thing. I think the situation is sometimes different with different players depending on where they're at. Obviously, Pepe had an injury towards the end of his time at Nice. There's also, you know, the potential contractual situations and we don't know the conversations that are going on with the players themselves and their representatives about potential options. Sometimes players are told to stay back. For example, again, Chelsea of Lukaku, um, Chelsea of Aubameyang, players who have been told to, you know, report back to preseason a little bit later because there's a prospect of getting a deal sorted for them that means they don't have to come back at all. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't suggest that because Cedric is there, that means he's going to stay. It's He's just a senior member of the first team squad and he's reporting back for preseason. And for him, you know, it, it, he's at Arsenal, fantastic club. The best he's going to do, he's not going to get better. So he's in no rush to walk away. You know, he'll want to play football, no doubt, but he's in no rush to walk away. So, yeah, I think that's just one to watch. Eventually he'll he'll go, but it's just a question of whether we pay him to leave or someone comes in with a low bid um, to take him away. Now, of course, Odegaard had a bit of a knock so Vieira uh, Vieira stepped in for him Vieira is another one that we need to see technical ability is there that is clear but just as I keep saying that personality the imposition of your talent on the on the pitch that's the thing we want to look for this season um, of course there was no Zinchenko no, no Marquinhos no Martinelli no Tomiyasu players who either picked up a knock or rec- recovering from injury so you know while the first game of preseason was interesting in some respects and it was good to finally see some football being played and just see the players on the pitch so we could talk about some football in reality it really isn't much to talk about at all and it is just a glorified fitness exercise but nonetheless that is what the club have given us so that is what we have to work with Um, particularly because of course we have no announcements to talk about Um, fully expecting the rice and timber announcements um, on friday so if you are listening to this on the Friday, hopefully they've already been announced. And so this part is completely redundant. But, you know, seeing a lot of people annoyed or upset about the delays, feeling as though it's 
you know, ruined the reveal and blah, 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 grow up really is what I'd say. If you are, if your mood has genuinely been annoyed by the fact the club have not announced these signings yet, you are probably addicted to the football transfer news cycle and you are going through withdrawal. You need to chill out. The deal will be done when it's done. There is no indication from anywhere that the deals are at risk. It sounds like with Timber, there was a minor contractual issue. It sounds like with Rice, the lawyers are just being ultra thorough about the wording because, you know, it's a club record signing. It is a ridiculous commitment of money. So, you know, I'm more than happy for the club lawyers to check, double check and triple check before that thing is signed, just in case. Now, you know, I can I can tell you 100% that the level of detail um, that goes into contracts of that size is significant. And there will be a back and forth between the club's lawyers where revisions will be sent, marked up, sent back, check, change, marked up, sent back, check, change, marked up, sent back. They'll do a back and forth where marked up revisions of contracts are sent. You know, commercial contracts of these size are, um, you know, the minutiae of the wording of contracts are, are often um, a battle battleground for for the lawyers. So I wouldn't be particularly um I wouldn't be particularly worried about it. I as I say, I suspect that we will probably get some news on Friday the 14th. That would be my theory. So we'll wait and see. Um in the meantime, of course, there was a formal bid for Rob Holding. Bashiktas approached Arsenal with I believe 2.5 million euros to sign holding which is look whatever you think of Rob Holding he is worth more than that I've personally said I think he's a good player I think it's more about styles than talent you know put him in a low block team and he will shine you know I think you put him in a team in Italy I think you put him in a team in France you put him in a team Maybe not in Germany. They they enjoy their transitions a bit more, but I still think he'd do a job. But I think you put him in a team in Italy, for example. You know, kind of like when Smalling went to hold uh, Smalling went to Roma. He's looked good for Roma. They love him over there. I think you know if you took Rob Holding and you put him in a team that was more um, defensively focused, I think he'd look good. You put him in a low block team, middle of the Premier League to lower the Premier League, and they're playing low block football, and it's more about transitioning. Um, they're attacking players transitioning through the thirds, but the defensive shape is solid. I think he'd look good. He's a Premier League player. He's won four FA Cups. You know, he's got bags of experience. 2.5 million euros is nowhere near enough. I think if they add about 7 million pounds to that, you know, if we get closer to 10 million pounds, I think the deal gets done. You know, I can see Arsenal looking for 15, but I don't think they'd stretch that price if they want to sell him on the continent. I think if they're going to sell him in Europe, not to another Premier League team, but somewhere in Europe, I think, yeah, I think they they take 10 million and, and call it a day. So it remains to be seen whether Besiktas are willing to do that because that is a severely low offer. Now, look, it's the same thing that we said when we spoke about the Rice deal, right? This is a negotiation. That is an opening bid. It will be rejected by Arsenal if it hasn't already. And then Besiktas will have to up their offer. Now, they may do the same thing to us that we did to West Ham, incremental offers over a number of weeks to try and sort of wear us down to agreeing and coming to their valuation. Fine. The the game is the game. Negotiating tactics are what they are. 
but I think, you know, I would be amazed, put it like this, I would be amazed if we sold Rob Holding to Besiktas for less than seven million pounds. I, I would be amazed. Not saying it wouldn't, it couldn't happen. I would just be amazed. And I think if that happened, it would suggest that Holdings had a word with the club and probably said, look, I really, 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 really want to go. I'm not clearly not going to play. Look, it's a couple million pounds, you know, let me go. Like, I think it would have to be something where conversations happened. But I think it's clear that Arsenal have a valuation for their players now. Um, there's still one or two they're going to have to pay to leave, i.e. Cedric, I think, maybe Pepe. But for the most part, we've got a valuation for players now and I, d- I don't see us selling for cheap. And there will be interest from the Premier League for Rob Holding. I would be amazed if there's not interest from the Premier- in the Premier League and Arsenal could be holding out for that as well. So let's wait and see. Finally, um, I think we all saw the interview um, on the overlap, Gary Neville, um, Dele talking about his situation and what he's been going through and all the rest of it. This is just a regular reminder that footballers are human beings, granted incredibly well paid at the top level, live incredibly unique circumstances, but human nonetheless. And while some of them get up to things that we would all rightly uh, shake our heads at, a lot of them are just ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. And if you put, you know, ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances, some people will thrive and for some people it will be a bit too much. And, you know, you would have heard his story. You would have seen what he had to say about his situation. It's a reminder that they're people and it shouldn't take him coming out and doing this for people to remember that. Um, it shouldn't take the tabloids finding out he was in the rehab and basically telling him we're going to run a story on you for him to then come out to have to then come out and tell this story he should have been able to come out and tell his story when he was ready but we know that's not how the world works so i think this is just a reminder that human beings are people and we should therefore treat them and each other as such anyway that's me off my soapbox it's your boy C's here, C-E-A-S-E-S-A-Y-S. You know where to find us at the Hybrid Club. Please do follow, um, like, subscribe, repost, retweet, share, all of that good shit. Please do leave us a five-star review on whichever platform you're listening on because I have been um, informed that that helps with things that I care not about, but nonetheless, apparently it helps. So please do leave that review if you can. And we play. we patiently await the reveal of rice and or timber at some point in our lifetimes till then we'll you know might do uh, uh another episode some point over the weekend once those deals are announced just because you know finally they would have been announced um but otherwise i'll speak to you in a bit people in a bit Gabriel Mon-